Hi, everybody. Before we get into this episode, I had to let you know, like I'm literally bursting at the seams, that on March 13th, Scouts Agency is launching something major. We have been working on this for months, all with the intention to serve your business expansion and catapult your brand awareness. Now, If you want to have first access at our early bird pricing plus access to bonuses, sign up on our waitlist at scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. There will be limited spots available, so if you've been ready to go from the plateaued business owner to the visible visionary, you're going to want first access. Again, that's scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. S-C-O-U-T-S-A-G-E-N-C-Y dot com slash waitlist to sign up for first access. I'm bursting at the seams and I know I have to keep this a secret for just a couple weeks longer, so cannot wait. Okay, let's get into the episode. Scout Sobel, founder and CEO of Scouts Agency, a female-focused PR agency that specializes in the medium of podcasting. I also live with bipolar disorder. From being a college dropout to a business owner, I have garnered up the healing tools from living with a mental illness to build my entrepreneurial life. Welcome to my podcast, where I ramble about mental health tips, entrepreneurial strategies, and mindset shifts so that you can live your life of purpose. I am the emotional entrepreneur. And thank you for being here. Let's get into the episode, shall we? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I am re-releasing an interview that I did for the Dream Life podcast, which is hosted by Tiffany Paul, who is the founder of Slept. They have the most amazing satin-weighted eye masks, which I use for all of my naps every time I nap. It's basically luxury in a nap, essentially. And I clicked with Tiffany so significantly. She is such a radiant gem. Uh, She is an incredible entrepreneur. She's spiritual. She's real. She's vulnerable. She's down to talk about all the important things. And I had such a good time chatting with her for her podcast that I really wanted to release the interview here on Scout Podcast so that you guys can get a little bit more insight into not only Tiffany's brand, but also my story uh, through this, uh, through the format of an interview. So I hope you enjoy, and if you do and you love Tiffany, which I know you will, you can check out her podcast. It's called Dream Life, and you can check out her uh, eye mask brand at The Slept Life on Instagram. So I hope you enjoy, and as always, if you want to sign up for the newsletter, you can go into the show notes. It's there. We're getting some good content out on the newsletters to help you guys Um really maintain your mental health as well as go after your entrepreneurial slash career slash purpose goals. So thanks guys. Love you as always. And I hope you enjoy this interview. Scout, welcome to the Dream Life Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored and I'm excited because we've been DMing. I have your mask and this is just, this is like the next step of our DMing and product Instagram relationship. Yes, it's a new friendship blooming in the new digital age. These are the way of the current times. 
This is so, the way women network with one another. They DM totally. and then they go on a podcast. Yes. I'm like, literally, I am lonely. I'm starting a podcast in 2021 so I can make new friends. And I'm not even going to pretend that's not part of it. Yep. So you're my new friend. Welcome into my inner circle. I'm so excited to chat with you in real life. The one thing I love about you and kind of your messaging is like, you're like this like hustler. You love to work hard, but you also talk a lot about like alignment and making sure you're kind of you know, living a, a quality life that works. So I would love to just kick things off just hearing more about kind of your philosophy of work life balance and hustle and rest and all of that. So when it comes to hustling, you know, I was the exact opposite. I've been living with a mental illness since the age of 14 and was formally diagnosed with bipolar disorder at the age of 20. And my life was a series of not getting shit done. So I dropped out of college, I quit jobs, I quit internships. I couldn't actually hold on to anything. And so I was sort of chalked up as someone who potentially wasn't going to be able to function, survive and thrive in a societal framework until I found entrepreneurship and something in my brain shifted. I remember sitting with my friend at a coffee shop and asking her if she wanted to start a magazine and we were just going to print it at Kinko's and take all the photos on disposable cameras and pass it out to our friends and a light switch went off in my brain and everything changed for me in that moment. I went home and obsessively researched for 12 hours, the best printer in Orange County where I lived at the time. And then I made all these appointments. Then I got a quote and realized that I, realized I need 10 grand. Then I started a Kickstarter. Fast forward, we had three issues, sold it in Barnes & Noble, had Halsey on the cover. And suddenly I went from the girl who was basically struck, if that's the right word, strikes with a mental illness to this overachieving woman. And it's because entrepreneurship was so in alignment for me that hustle came naturally. So Sahara Rose always says, she says, you know, find your purpose, which she calls your dharma. Your dharma is supposed to bring you energy. So a lot of the times people look at hustle culture and they say, oh, I have to get up at five in the morning. I have to grind it out. I have to kill myself. I have to get to a point where I'm so burnt out and exhausted. That's not living in your purpose. It's not living in an alignment. And it's not the hustling that I know. The hustling that I know is taking care of myself so, so strategically and so intentionally and so purposefully from the hours of 5pm to 9am. So that within the hours of 9am to 5pm, I'm working with an energetic flow. So a lot of the times people hear the word hustle, and they equate it with extreme masculinity, extreme fire, extreme intensity, something that I don't show a lot. And some people that have worked for me know is that I'm actually, even though I'm very low energy, some would prescribe, I'm super fucking intense. But that intensity comes from when you stand in your purpose and you find the thing you're meant to do. It's like a pull. Something is pulling you forward and you have no option but to step up. And if you don't, it creates turmoil inside of you. So I think there's a difference between people who think that hustling is this external pressure, this prescriptive thing they need to do to be successful in this world versus for me, hustling means entering into a space of complete alignment, of flowing energy, of excitement, of fulfillment, of inspiration. Now that doesn't mean that my hustle at times doesn't look like being overwhelmed and stressed and frustrated because this is life and nothing is a, you know, beautiful trajectory up. Things come in cycles, but the why of my hustle is made out of pure, energetic, 
inspirational and fulfillment alignment. When people start redefining their relationship to hustle, they realize that true hustlers have work-life balance. True hustlers know the importance of taking care of themselves. Most of the highest performing people have extreme regimented routines to take care of their mental, emotional, and spiritual selves. And it is just as important as the hours they work on their career. So it's something that's been weighing on my heart that I want to redefine because a lot of people hate on hustle, but they want what the hustle gets you. And so maybe it's time that we just redefine what that narrative means so that people can reframe their perspective around hard work and showing up consistently over and over and over again. Exactly. Because that's why I wanted to talk about it today, because I've alluded to in past episodes about not, you know, working ourselves to the point of burnout and taking the time for ourselves. And I think sometimes people hear that and they're like, oh, well, she must not work hard or she must not be driven. And it's like, no, I kill it. But most people are being told to like, work harder, grow more, do more. And so I just want to be a voice to be like, hey, (laughs) you need to take a step back and take care of yourself. And so it's not about working necessarily less or less hard. It's about working smarter and making sure you're also prioritizing your care. And all the research shows that when you do take those breaks, that rest, get quality sleep, your productivity is actually going to be enhanced. And so you talked about the magazine and then now you you have your podcast. And so where are you being pulled to next? Like where are you currently hustling? Right now, I am currently hustling with Scouts Agency, which I started two years ago. And we essentially get women as guests on podcasts. We also support podcasters by booking high profile guests, as well as do a lot in the traditional PR scope of work. So that's really pushing me forward, but also infusing my personal brand. I am writing a book that will come out this year, which I haven't super talked about yet, but infusing not only my book and my personal brand within kind of my workload, but also having it support the agency's reputation and growth as well. Do you want to talk about the book? Yeah, I can say that it is a mixture of what I've learned from living with bipolar disorder and what I've learned in my entrepreneurial journey. It is for the millennial entrepreneur women who either wants to be a content creator or more of a formal business owner. It's going to be kind of a guidebook for some of the more emotional mindset areas. Perfect. What have you learned from, you know, your bipolar disorder? You've, you're very open about it. I've heard you share in your own podcast, some of the lessons, and I think they're so valuable for, for listeners. So I would love if you could share a little bit about maybe what's in the book or just whatever lesson you feel called to share today. Yeah, so my trajectory and my path with mental illness has been quite tumultuous. And I think that the only people that really know the intensity and the rawness and the darkness of it are those in my inner circle that have had direct impact by it, such as like my husband and my parents and my sister. So I talk super candidly about it. There's no part of my journey that I am secretive about that I don't shed to light. My sister always says that I'll tell fucking anyone I'm bipolar. I mean, I'm, I'll tell the barista and people maybe think it's uncomfortable or joke at it, but I say, I don't understand if you were anything else, you would tell them if you had a headache, you would tell them, I don't know why I can't just say it and have it be my truth. I don't know why that's an aspect of myself I have to hide. And so it was never even a scary decision for me to share this because it just was what I was. And I didn't understand why people thought it was so brave that I was coming out and talking about it. It's like, I don't put filters on my Instagram stories anymore. Because long story short, I just had an experience where I was comparing myself 
physically to another blogger. And then I saw her post a photo without makeup or a filter and she's gorgeous, like gorgeous. But I was like, oh, there's the human, like there's the human, right? And so I vowed to not put any filters on my Instagram stories for the time being. Maybe I will one day. And my sister said, wow, that's so brave of you. And I said, it's fucking brave to look like I look like, I don't understand what, what? <laughs> that what is, are you saying, sister? <laughs> it's brave for me to look how I look. I mean, we've gotten yeah. so far away. So, so far off. And some of those filters are so gnarly. I just did one the other day where I'm like, this filter should not exist on the internet. I'm not going to say the name, but it's like a high profile influencer. And I was like, why would you even want to brand yourself saying you should have this filter that completely changes the way you look? It's so fucked up. And people do that with their emotions too, right? They only show the pretty emotions. I just want to be me. That's all I want. I want to be all of me. I don't want to walk into a job from nine to five and be a completely different person than I am afterwards. I always want, of course, there's different versions of me depending on who I'm talking to, but me inside has to always be at the table at all times. And so with my bipolar disorder, I learned a lot. I learned what resilience is, I learned what faith is, I learned how to feel confident in my emotional experience and not to be afraid of my emotions. I think that a lot of the times we feel anxiety and that we get anxiety about the anxiety and that's what flares it up. So letting the fire burn without blowing on the fire is always a good way to go. But the most important thing that I learned with my bipolar disorder is that there is an underlying, all-encompassing higher power that looks after me at all times that has a higher plan for me if I so choose to see it, that when I show up in a certain energy, that's the energy I receive back. And so when I act out of fear and desperation and chaos and sadness, all of my life looks like that. But if I look at it through beauty and acceptance and magic, that's what gets projected back towards me. And so because truly the thing that has made me feel the most stable is prayer and faith and believing in the magic and beauty of life, as well as accepting the full spectrum of our human emotions, took the sting out of the wound a little bit. And it let the wound heal. And it also let me be okay with having the wound and not forcing it to go away or to heal on my own terms, but know that there is a divine timing for everything and that every emotion I've ever been given is the biggest teacher and lesson for my life. And I can choose to see my bipolar disorder as a huge weakness. But it is, in all honesty, my biggest superpower. When I am doing something that is out of alignment, I go down. I get knocked the fuck down. And I'm talking within a matter of weeks. And so it makes me pivot constantly until I find where my soul is supposed to live. And if that's not the biggest gift and superpower of a compass, I, I don't know what is. So yeah, I, I've learned that it's, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. So I'm totally getting goosebumps as you're telling that story because I, to me, it's just like a huge like, yes, yes. Because as you're speaking, you're speaking life into everybody who's listening to remind them to slow down. You are literally being a light of example, not only to take care of yourself, but to own the truth of who you are. So that's why I was just like smiling when you're telling me the story of just telling everybody because it's like, of course, you should tell everybody who the fuck you are. Of yes. course. Why? Why would you even hesitate? So it's like, you're obviously learning a lot personally, but you, I think the greater impact is that you are showing others how to really own the truth of who they are. And also, like we talked about, you know, find that time and take care of themselves. So what is taking care of yourself and staying in alignment look like for you? Yeah, it is my 
full-time job is my number one priority at all times. And it looks very differently on different days, but every single day I have a very, very heavy morning routine. So I wake up pretty naturally. I don't really wake up with an alarm anywhere between six and six 30. And I go straight to my coffee maker and I pour myself coffee, but I also make myself a hot water and lemon. And so I drink that first. I walk outside immediately with my hot water and lemon to take my dog out. And that just really helps, I think, getting outside first thing in the morning. Like within five minutes of waking up, I'm outside. I spend just maybe one to two minutes out there. And then I come in and I do morning pages. So morning pages is where you just kind of journal subconsciously the first thing in the morning. You don't have a theme or a prompt and you just kind of let yourself go. And with no judgment or anything, I just write and write. And some of my biggest breakthroughs are in those moments. And sometimes it's 20 minutes of me writing that I'm tired and groggy and not awake yet. So it just depends on the day, but it's a really great way to check in with yourself first thing and to also let your subconscious do a little bit of the magic working. After that, I go for a walk, 30 to 45 minutes. I like to power walk and just build up a sweat. I'm not the biggest physical activity person, but I also know how helpful it is not only for your mental clarity, but for your physical health. So I put on a good podcast and I walk for 30 to 45 minutes, power walk, get a sweat up. And then I shower and then I have a whole breakfast routine. And I don't actually look at my phone until usually the earliest is eight. I like to keep it till 830, sometimes even nine. So the entire morning is without my phone, except to put a podcast on, but I don't check texts, Instagram or email, nothing. And I find that those, what, hour and a half, two hours in the morning just to myself is so amazing because it allows me to connect inwards and just be in my, in my energy without the external stimulation of demands of my team emailing me, of my clients emailing me, of my to-do list. And so that's the best thing. Every single morning I have to set myself up, even if it's 20 to 30 minutes, if I don't have time for a full shebang to not have my phone and be with me. Other things I do is that I take 30 minutes for lunch, no matter what. Of course, there are days that doesn't happen, but 90% of the time it does. And so I will close my computer, put on a podcast and turn my phone over and cook myself lunch. So actually like sauteing veggies and then I go outside and I eat it. I live in San Diego. I'm fortunate that I can eat outside whenever I want. Um, but just taking a moment and walking away from your workspace, walking away from that environment and standing outside and soaking in the sunlight, looking at the trees, not being on your phone and just sitting and eating. It just shocks me how much we do everyday things while looking at our phone, while reading an email, while scrolling through social media. So to take 30 minutes where I'm doing nothing but being with myself is so helpful. At night, I do the same thing. I try to get my phone away by 8 p.m. I have a skincare routine and I make a sleepy time tea that I drink. And then I read before bed just to kind of shut the brain off and have that excess amount of time away from the phone. So taking care of myself is a constant carving out a lot of time to be with me. It means stopping work. I don't like working past 530. I don't like it. If it's not pressing or necessary, I will not do it. And I will wait till the next day. I also don't jam pack my calendar. I'm a huge introvert. So I try not to be around people too much. So yeah, it's just a lot of alone time. To be honest, we don't spend enough time with ourselves. And, and I don't mean sitting on a couch watching Netflix. And I don't mean sitting on a couch scrolling through Instagram. You know, people think that they're unwinding and unplugging. 
by distracting themselves with entertainment, but that's actually not rejuvenating your soul. It's actually going to make you go towards burnout more often than not, because you're not actually carving out time to rest intentionally and rest in a way that fills up your cup. If your rest is turning your mind off and numbing yourself from things, it doesn't actually reset you. It just furthers you away from your purpose. So I take care of myself by connecting within and doing things that fulfill me, like reading, yoga, writing, taking walks, cooking, taking a bath, all of those things. I, I really try not to even watch TV too much. Yeah, I love that. And so we started the conversation talking about like, you're you're a hustler, you love to work, right? But then you're like, but I will not work after 530. And these are the things I do to take care of myself. I think people think it needs to be an either or, you know, and it doesn't. And it's, it's, it's like you said, when you don't have the time, you can make you can still create those small moments. And when you are choosing to numb out versus use that time as a restorative rejuvenation and reflection and rest, that's when you have the energy that you can go again. But if you're going too fast, or if you're numbing out or distracting yourself, it's hard to feel that pull. I feel like connecting to your intuition is something that it's like I rely on. It's like, if I didn't have myself to tell me and my intuition what to do, I wouldn't even know what the fuck to do. You'd be like relying on everybody else. So it's like, I don't need I can't even imagine how to live if I wasn't taking those times for myself. Yeah. But one other thing I do want to point out is that sometimes when our schedules are really demanding and packed, because it happens, I always find that people are living in the state of like, oh, I have to do all these things. Oh, this is happening to me. When I have a really packed schedule and I'm stressed and overwhelmed, I stop and I say, in what way did I choose this? And maybe you're saying, well, I'm an employee and my boss puts all this shit on my calendar. In what ways did you sign up for the job that that's okay? Like, in what ways are you contributing to? What ways are you not putting boundaries? I think we have a lot more freedom or a lot more choice over how our days look than we think we do. And so when I get to that point of burnout, it's because my hustle actually isn't effective. It's actually working against me. So being able to stop and say, in what ways did I choose this chaos is really helpful because then you can backtrack and make new choices. I love how you just have this ownership over your life. As someone who's been through so much, it would be easy for you to just play the victim, right? And to say, I'm a victim to bipolar disorder and I'm a victim to life. But instead, I see someone who's really emerged out the other side and has decided I am taking ownership of my life as sometimes they say radical ownership, radical acceptance of everything in front of me. And clearly all you've been through has given you this great perspective. So I would love to hear more about kind of what you've been through, maybe some of those darker days or those rock bottom moments, and how you got to the place you are today. So I've had multiple rock bottoms. And it's been, you know, bipolar disorder is a fluctuation of moods. So it's a lot of ups and downs. So it hasn't been the most linear in that sense. But some of the darkest moments that really stand out to me is that and when I was diagnosed, she said you were manic depressive. And I didn't know what that meant. I, don't, I, let, I blacked out. I didn't even ask her. She didn't even explain. It, I don't think I don't know what she said to me. I don't remember. But I went back to my apartment with my two best friends. And I just googled manic depressive because I didn't know what that meant. And it said bipolar. And this was what was that? I was 20. This was almost 10 years ago. And even 10 years ago, the word bipolar, mental health, depression, anxiety, it was not talked about. When I saw those words bipolar on my phone, I said, this is a death sentence and I am crazy and I will never be able to do anything in this world. And I got on the next flight home. I dropped out of college and never returned. I went through outpatient program. And then a year later, I was 
suffering from suicidal ideation. And so my therapist told me to take, to go to the ER to get an emergency psychiatric tweak to my medication to help me with these intrusive thoughts. And uh, they locked me up. They said, we're placing you on a 5150. You are now deemed a threat to yourself and society. And I asked if my parents could drive me to the hospital wing that they wanted to lock me up in. And they said, no, you can no longer be unattended. I remember they had a security guard walk me to the bathroom and I couldn't lock the bathroom door because he had to be able to go in at any moment. And my freedom was totally stripped from me in that moment. And they strapped me to a stretcher and they wheeled me out and put me in an ambulance. And I was in the ambulance and I just looked scared and numb and dead inside. And the EMT said, what are you thinking about? (laughs) And I said, I'm thinking about from now on, whoever comes into my life that I love, I have to tell them that I was locked up in 5150. And he looked at me and he said, if they love you, they won't care. And it was the most, he didn't press me to talk about what was happening. He just really showed such empathy. And that was a really big turning point for me. And then Um, another few ones, things didn't actually get better until I started dating my husband. Uh, he comes from the recovery world. He's almost 10 years sober. And he said to me when we started dating uh, eight and a half years ago, so about two years after I was diagnosed or a year after he said, um, I don't care if you're depressed. He said, if you're depressed and hopeful, I'll stay in this relationship. But if you're depressed and hopeless, I can't be with you. And I had lost so many things at that point. And so I just wasn't going to lose him. And so I started infusing hope into my life and I started taking accountability for my actions because regardless of the fact that my brain decides to feed me depression, anxiety, catatonia, paranoia, psychosis, what I do with that information and that initial feeling is completely in my control. And so if I'm going to feed into it or if I'm going to wallow, if I'm going to play the victim, if I'm going to stay in the addiction of my depression, that's on me. So I started showing up for myself and that took years. I started getting better. I was able to re-enroll in school and hold a job and start my magazine. But there were a lot of rocky roads until then. I mean, just two years ago, my husband came home and his face was just distraught. And I asked him what was wrong. And he said, every time I come home, I don't know if my wife's going to be alive. And that was when I knew that my bipolar disorder was really hurting other people. It was the moment I realized that I can no longer outsource my emotions to those around me. I can have a support system. There's a difference between having a a support system and saying, here, you take care of this. I can't handle this anymore. So you take care of it. So my husband has really been the biggest catalyst for me to step up and take ownership and radical responsibility over my emotions. And in doing so, I have been able to develop a strength and a confidence within myself that is so, so foundational and beautiful and magical. And I've been able to show up in ways that I want to and provide a life for me and my husband that I, that I want him to have too. So those are some rock bottoms. Each one of them has taught me something new. And I feel as if I've gone through a really large evolution in the last year where I'm finally really, really confident, secure, and not afraid That's the key. I'm not afraid anymore of what my mind decides to do to me. First, thank you so much for sharing so openly and from the heart. It is just beautiful to see someone owning their truth and owning their story. And I see the strength you have on the other side. And I just want to acknowledge that. 
And so what would you credit with such a beautiful perspective around such challenging times? I know you talk very open around spirituality. Is that what you would credit for your strength? Yeah, 100%. Today, I'm standing in such an amazing space. I'm stronger than I have ever been. And I do accredit that to spirituality, 100%. I accredit my belief in spirituality, a higher power, and my ability to co-create my reality with the universe as the reason why I am able to live without fear. I'm able to live with inspiration and fulfillment and alignment. I'm able to run a multiple six-figure business. I'm able to interview the women I get to on the podcast. I'm able to work with the women I'm able to work with. I am completely designing my life the way I want to. And when that feels out of alignment, I get on my knees and I pray and it helps every goddamn time. I love that. Talking about obstacles, you know, seeing obstacles in your life as opportunities to learn and grow, evolve, or even part of what you're here to do. Like you said, you're not turning around and teaching this and and how you overcome, like share that perspective around obstacles that you have. And then also maybe how it relates to the experience that you shared. You know, I believe that that pain is the price of admission we pay for the gifts and the growth of ourselves. Every single time I go through something difficult, in the moment, I say, I can't wait to meet the woman on the other side of this. She's going to be fucking rad. And she's going to, she's going to have some new codes of wisdom that I cannot wait to meet and express and utilize in my life moving forward. And for me, being able to see the beauty in challenges is is the moment you step out of victimhood and into creating your life and your destiny the exact way you want it to. So I realized when my dog died in January, um, it was so heartbreaking. I've had her since I was 18. She was, she walked through a lot of my mental health problems with me and she was kind of like my companion and she died suddenly while I was out of town and it felt so heavy, but I was, it felt meaningful. I was grateful that I was feeling such loss and grief, because that means I had something beautiful. And that means I had an intense connection. And that means I'm alive. And so I started realizing that we really love life conditionally. We love our life when it's going well, we love it when the success comes in, and the money rolls in and the accolades roll in and the relationships going well, we don't love it when it's not going well. And that's not really loving life, right? Like you don't love your best friend only in her best moments. So why do you only love your life in its best moments? And that's when I decided to love my life unconditionally. So when the bad shit happens, I up the love and I thank God that I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing because I'm alive. It means I care and it means I have meaning in my life. Yeah, I love that. And you know, I'm on the spiritual journey as well. My husband, not so much. And I'll tell him, you know, these philosophies sometimes. And he's, he's like, well, it's not hurting anybody. He's like, if you want to believe that we're in the cosmos and like the world is magic or, you know, like, (laughs) I relate. yeah, it's like, he's like, what harm is it going to do? It's only good. And it's like, I'm not here to preach a belief or even convince you, but I just made a decision. Like I can relate where it's like, I just decided that this year, for example, I just decided I'm going to live a life of ease. Last year was a fucking tough year. I had my rock bottom last year. I lost a business last year. You know, the the pandemic happened last year. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just not available. I made the energetic boundary in my mind. I'm like, I'm available for ease. And if that means that maybe the, my success needs to slow down or I'm, you know, going to work a few hours less or something I want to accomplish may have to move to 2022, whatever I'm available for ease. So it's like, it is what it is. And you can just choose to see obstacles in whatever manner you choose. It's like, what is the harm of just telling your, I'm not saying you're telling yourself, this is just like, but what if 
that were true? What if that were true? Like what a beautiful energy you're putting into your life. And like, I'm telling you, this year has been fucking easy. <laughs> like, yeah. cool. Like, it's, has it been the most productive year? No, but has it been a really fucking good year? Yeah, because I just decided to go slower and welcome more ease. And when obstacles come my way, I'm just like handling it with ease. Can't shake me. Like, nope, not, you know, I could, I'm welcoming ease. So I love that. Oh, that's so good. I love it when you set an intention to approach life in a certain way, the things that happen around you change. And I often struggle with that because I feel like I've found the fountain of strength and the fountain of inner fulfillment. And I truly feel like I found the magical dose for getting through life. And so it's hard to not look at the people around you and say, just believe, I promise you, like you, you want to be preachy, but you, you can't because different things work for different people, different things you know, hit people differently. But a lot of the times I do sometimes get not teased, but eye rolls uh, from my sister or my husband's getting a little concerned that I'm talking about divine downloads. And I know I told my husband, I just decided I'm a channel now. I just decided. (laughs) I was like, I have to trust it. I have to trust these intuitive downloads. And I'm like trying to sound like not, you know, like (laughs) one way or another. I'm like, no, I'm a channel now. So now I'm channeling my podcast inspirations. This is not just my gut feeling now. I'm a channel. So he's like, okay, Yes. So, I feel well, like a girl. The best is when I go to my husband, I was like, I got a divine download that I have to hire another employee. He's like, I thought your roster was low this month. I was like, my divine download says otherwise. Yeah. And it's it's complicated and it's not as simple as that, right? But yeah, it's hard to not preach it because I mean, you know, it's so different when you show up connected to something higher and when you show up in intention, it just changes your life. And if anything, you don't have to believe in reincarnation and the spirit world and, you know, all that stuff. But just taking control over the fact that you, you get to wake up and choose the way you see your life. That's the best thing ever. Exactly. And like with the spirituality teachings, I love that it's like you really can make it your own. You know, it's like that's the thing about religion. I was never, never set quite well with me. It's felt like a lot of rules. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, and a lot of judgment and a lot of like fear and like there's a hell. And I'm like, I just energetically didn't feel right for me. And if that feels right for you, like, that's cool. Like, but I like spirituality and the fact that it's just a much more broader like umbrella and you can kind of interpret it in whatever way, you know, works for you. But there are those principles around like obstacles that I love. And then also this idea of surrender. Mm -hmm. I don't know where you're at with that kind of spiritual lesson, but that was like, when I heard, you know, this, the, for those of you maybe not as familiar with it, it's like, when you are trusting in a higher power, then the request is that you surrender whatever desire or goal you want to the universe, because then you are welcoming in the support of a higher power. And I remember when I left my corporate job a year and a half ago, I remember reading that and that just did not resonate with me. I'm like, sure, not surrendering this shit. I've gotten myself this far. Like, I work hard. I've done all these things. I'm not letting any control go. And then I fucking crashed and burned, like I said last year. And then I'm like, okay, I surrender. And so it's like welcoming that energetic force that could be there to help us. Like we are ultimately just humans, right? Like our strength and energy is limited. So why not be open to the idea that there would be an energy around us that could help in supporting us. But for me, like surrendering has been to me, what that's looked like this year is working less. I couldn't get behind these maybe like more like woo woo ideas of surrendering. I'm like, what does that mean? I'm like, all right, I surrender. I, I thought about it a little more. And I'm like, work is the ultimate form of control. 
when I'm working, when I'm not delegating you know, to others, that means I am literally trying to control the entire situation. So I'd love to hear, you know, what's your journey been like on the surrender path? I mean, fucking good for you. Surrendering <laughs> is the yeah. hardest thing that I constantly work on constantly. And it is so difficult. It really truly is because we're not told to step back in order to receive. We're told to act in order to receive and to produce in order to receive. For me, surrendering is if I need a question answered, if I need guidance, I don't look externally to past examples or my friend or an email or whatever. I get really quiet and feel into my body and I surrender to that feeling. So for me, surrendering is just coming home to myself and feeling what the next step is for me. Like Gabby Bernstein quotes from some, I think it's like a course in miracles where it's like those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait without worry. Oh God, that is so good. Yes. And this is literally the certainty that I am using this year as I'm choosing ease and to live more in flow. I'm like, I'm so certain of my success. I'm so certain of the impact I'm going to make in the world. I'm so certain of my financial success. If you fucking looked on paper, you'd be like, girl, you better fucking start working. But I'm so certain in my heart that it's like, I can choose to just live a life of more ease because it's going to happen when it happens. Yeah, It's been such a joy having you on the podcast and hearing more about your perspective. And we close out all the conversations by asking all of our guests to share what is your definition of a dream life? My definition of a dream life is that I have freedom. Freedom is the most important thing in the world to me. So if someone offered me a very large salary and a very amazing cushy job, I would respectfully decline it because if I can't wake up and make a decision over what I want to do that day, it doesn't work for me. So having the freedom to do what I want to do and also knowing in that freedom comes making choices to limit that freedom, right? So if I decide to have an office that I go to every day, that's what I've decided to do. But it's in that decision over my lifestyle that I create. So having freedom is always my number one motivation behind what I do. I love that. It's so important. I always say like, no one's a boss of me, but me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, with that freedom comes a price, but of course, I'm willing to take it. Yes, at the intention. I believe in that for you. I see that in you. So thank you again, girl. Keep on dreaming big and may all of your dreams come true. Thank you.